0: Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Hannah Floor. Petersburg's hospital board will go over the status of the new hospital facility at a regular meeting tonight at 5.30 p.m. Part of the facility is already underway. Petersburg Medical Center's contractors are on track to start building out part of the new facility in April. The Foundation of the Wellness Education and Resource Center which will house PMC's community resources, telehealth offices, and MRI system. Their goal is to install the building's roof by September. The main hospital building is still in its early stages of planning and isn't fully funded yet. The design documents are 35% complete. Contractors and design team are currently working on detailed cost estimates. Hospital CEO Phil Hofstetter and several borough officials with senator bert stedman this month to talk about a state capital grant to complete the design and start building out the shell and core of the main hospital building hofstetter is currently attending the alaska hospital and healthcare association legislative fly-in session he plans to follow up with state senators donnie olson of nome and lyman hoffman of bethel to discuss capital budget funding for the replacement facility They are co-chairs of the Senate Finance Committee, along with Senator Steadman, who represents Petersburg. The Medical Center is also preparing for a Community Health and Safety Fair on March 23rd. They're offering discounted blood draws in the weeks leading up to the event. Over 200 community members are already signed up for the blood work special, which will take place between late February and early March. After the hospital board has looked over each report, they'll break into an executive session closed to the public to discuss staff appointments and legal matters. The hospital board meets at 5.30 tonight and KFSK will air the meeting live. Also stay tuned for PMC Live. That's at 12.30 today. It's a call-in show with PMC officials. And to participate, our phone number is 907-772-3808. To celebrate Elizabeth Paradovich Day this year, Wrangell's traditional dancers and elders recorded dances for a statewide audience on television. Colette Zarnicki has more.
1: A dozen dancers and elders congregate inside Chief Sheikh's tribal house to practice for the Elizabeth Paradovich Day celebration. They are the Wrangell Johnson O'Malley Khatsley dancers and elders. Some also belong to the Alaska Native Brotherhood and the Alaska Native Sisterhood. I'll introduce myself in Klinkit.
0: My name is Sandy Churchill. I was born and raised in Wrangell. I belong to the Eagle Clan and I am chairing the Elizabeth Pradovich
1: virtual event. The celebration would be at the Nolan Center on February
0: 16th. It's been a while since we've really had a good celebration for Elizabeth Pradovich, so she deserves it.
1: A yellow cedar canoe sits in front of the decorated cedar curtain and behind the fire pit of Chief Shake's house. Practice begins and the group goes over the dances. Virginia Oliver, who helps lead the dances, introduces the set.
0: People ask us why we dance. Raven, Raven told us why we dance. We dance in appreciation.
1: <laughs> they talk about the songs for the recording. One is about working together, the Soapberry song. Oliver instructs the dancers on what to do.
2: Oh, You're for me so very
1: survived. She acknowledges the virtual guests who were expected to be at the ceremony virtually. They include U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski, State Representative Dan Ortez, ANB and ANS Grand Camp Officers, Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, Southeast Landless Representatives, Lance Twitchell, a professor of native languages, arts and sciences, and the Paradovich family. On Chalice Nook, Ye Kat Nanya ay Ayapat, Kik Sani Yani Ayapat, Pa, Kanam Ku Sati. My second name is On I am from the Eagle Chalk. After the dance, Oliver says they might do a little love song for Elizabeth Paradovich, who was a raven moiety. After much debate on what to do, they settle on the box song. It represents opening the box for Pradovich.
2: Make the box and make it show little girls how to
1: do it. Boys don't do it, but girls do. Emma Frost, an elder, returned to Wrangell two years ago from Oregon when her husband passed away. She dances with the group and says the closeness of the tribe is what makes her feel like she belongs. She thinks of her ancestors when she dances. When I dance, I think I'm dancing for my my mom, my dad, my brother, grandmother. Another dancer, Arthur Larson, explains that during some of their dances, the guys go down by the fire pit, and the girls and women stay above. My
3: name, Arthur Larson. <laughs> my uh, yeah. Yeah. name yeah. is Kalkiets, yeah. means young eagle, <clears throat> and. The way I'm a descendant to uh, Auntie Elizabeth is my grandma Sarah.
1: His grandmother, Sarah, was a Paradovich. She got married to Larson's grandfather and they moved to Wrangell. Larson says he found out later in life that Elizabeth Paradovich was his aunt. I didn't
3: know that she was my auntie until I got older. Anyway, it was about 20. 20- 2013 when I started singing and dancing. I never knew any songs or anything didn't even know how to dance. He
1: says that before they went to the regional Southeast gathering celebration in 2013, Virginia Oliver said she had something that belonged to Larson's family. It was his grandmother's tunic that Oliver found at a garage sale for 20 bucks. It was found in the wall of his grandma's old house in Wrangell.
3: I got the uh, tunic back. Me and my mom were at my house, and Virginia brought it up. And Oh, uh, well. We all got a group hug, and we started blubbering, and tears were coming out. and They were happy tears, but... Anyway, my mom handed it to me. said, you take care of this. So now I found my grandma dancing with it, and... Now I found out Elizabeth uh, Bradovich, it. my auntie. I'm a pretty proud Indian.
1: Larson says that there's a lot to his clinkic culture. He didn't know how much when he first started, but he remembers hearing drums and songs when he was on the boat as a little kid. He says he wishes he got to meet his Aunt Elizabeth and his great grandfather Chief Shakes the Seventh.
0: In Wrangle, I'm Colette Zarniki. The Ketchikan City Council has voted to increase the city's electric rate by more than 6% and the water rates by 4.5%. A large portion of last week's council meeting was dedicated to the ongoing funding and infrastructure issues facing the city's electric and water utilities. The rate hikes come on the heels of the massive failure of Ketchikan Public Utilities' Silvis Lake hydropower plant on February 9th. KPU's Electric Division Manager Jeremy Bynum told the City Council that the generator is out of commission indefinitely. The loss of that generator means Ketchikan is leaning more heavily on power agreements with SEPA, a utilities coalition serving Wrangell, Petersburg, and Ketchikan. Bynum testified that this has a compounding effect. The 50-plus-year-old unit was not properly maintained due to a lack of funding. Now, he said the underfunded electric utility is contending with the hefty costs of repair to that generator and another $100,000 a month to cover the gap in power needs left by its absence. Bynum said, therefore, a rate increase is a necessity.
1: KPU Electric has the lowest rates in the state of Alaska, and it's not even close. We've done that at the detriment of the utility the detriment of our infrastructure, and the detriment of our personnel. I want to make sure that we have a utility that is
3: from, uh, built from our community and within our community. But in order to do that, I need people, I need funding, and I need support.
0: Finum anticipates the cost of repair in the range of $700,000 and replacement upwards of $12 million. Some members of the council were opposed to the rate increase. Councilmember Riley Gass complained about what he called the city's overall spending problem and the unfair financial burden this increase will place on citizens. He urged the council to consider new ways to re- reduce the city and KPU's spending in lieu of a rate increase. Councilmember Jay Matani agreed with Gass's assessment.
3: Our budget was an abject failure. We should not have passed that budget. But we decided to spend, spend, spend... And here we are. It is hard. I know our systems are failing and failing very badly.
0: Matani and Gas both suggested cutting costs in other municipal departments like public health and law enforcement, something that the vice mayor, Danalee Gage, said isn't possible under city code. The pot of taxpayer money that funds the city's police and fire departments, for example, is off-limits to KPU. The power agency is funded entirely by customer rates, and Gage said if the city doesn't increase those rates, Ketchikan might lose the ability to control them.
2: This is the crossroad, sweethearts. The crossroad is here, and we have to make a choice, and either way is not pretty. One, we lose our infrastructure and our ability to have electrical power to our community members. And the other way is somebody takes over for us and tells us how much we're going to pay a month.
0: The city of Ketchikan's infrastructure is built in part on loans from the Alaska Municipal Bond Bank. Those bond covenants require the city to maintain a specific debt service ratio. If they don't, the state will demand the city completes a rate study to come into compliance. Then, on a consultant's recommendation, the state, through the Alaska Municipal Bond Bank, will set the city's electrical rate. After further discussion, the council came to a vote. The electrical rate increase passed 5 to 2. The water rate increase of 4.5 percent passed in the same manner, with council members Gas and Mitanni voting against both motions. What will our oceans look like in 100 years? The Sitka scientist is using kelp to help answer that question. Meredith Reddick has a story on how a new study could help scientists predict how these underwater ecosystems are likely to change and why that matters for Alaskans on land. For Sitka scientist Lauren Bell, kelp
4: is a window into the future of Alaska's oceans. Bell says kelp is the foundation for the rest of the marine ecosystem.
2: Well, I think the natural analogy for kelp is like the forests that we're used to walking through on land. And if you are lucky enough to swim uh, in our coastal ocean and swim through a kelp forest, it might remind you of forests on land. And it's an apt analogy because they are really important habitat and they are an incredible food supply.
4: In a study published in the journal Ecosphere last month, Bell shared new research on what Alaska's kelp forest might look like in a hundred years. Long-term changes to kelp forests, say if the kelp grows more slowly or is less tasty to the critters eating it, could have far-reaching effects on the ecosystem. Bell points to herring as one example.
2: Seaweeds are a really important habitat for the early life stages of herring. Herring are, of course, a really important food for a lot of other animals, birds, bears, so we're going into terrestrial food webs, um, and whales. And so if their early life stage habitat is disrupted and that impacts their ability to thrive and make it to adult stages, that could have direct effects on the rest of the food web.
4: To study how kelp might grow under future conditions, Bell chose three species and grew them in tanks using hot tub heaters and bubblers to make the water warmer and more acidic. Bell says the kelps responded differently to changing conditions, Two species struggled to grow and absorb nutrients, and one species, giant kelp, actually grew better under future ocean conditions. That sounds like good news, but it could make it hard for other kelp to thrive. Bell says overall, these results helped paint a bigger picture of our ocean's future.
2: The minutiae of this particular study is less important than the fact that it's adding to this now growing volume of research that's supporting the fact that especially here in Alaska, our oceans are are changing and they're changing fast.
4: Bell says that matters for coastal Alaskans, from subsistence harvesters and mariculture moguls to fishermen.
2: It has implications for our economy that depends on ocean resources to individual people's paychecks that that are involved in fisheries or or um, ocean industries to the burgeoning marine mariculture industry. Um, and you know a lot of a lot of our livelihood and, and uh, well-being that is connected to the ocean in this state.
4: In her new role as the Sitka Sound Science Center Research Director, Bell is hoping to continue facilitating research that connects to and helps answer questions for the community. In Sitka, I'm
0: Meredith Reddick. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.